Well, good morning. If you all would please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be reading from uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Iodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Lord, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, we pray to you right now. Lord, we welcome you here. We recognize you here. And Lord, we pray that we will not be anxious, but Lord, we will rejoice and we will pray to you and meditate on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Lord, we pray these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted with joy. Amen. 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 Please be seated. If you're not there, would you flip? To Philippians. I know. We are, on the, we are on our final journey through this book. We are finally on the last chapter, chapter 4, where Paul is going to talk about anxiety. This whole sermon this morning is going to revolve around anxiety. Three points. The problem of anxiety, the prescription, what to do about it, and then the prayer. The problem, the prescription, the prayer. Problem? prescription prayer and the prayer at the end will lead us to like what is a life of prayer and meditating on these things that are good and trustworthy and noble and not on a life of anxiety look like so let's dive right in shall we point number one let's put it up here the problem anxiety what are you worried about not everybody at once don't you (laughs) We're worried. We are a worried people. Some of us uh, display worry and anxiety on different levels. Some of us have poker faces. Some of us just let everyone know how worried we are. But we are all worried. We are the most worried group of people as Americans. We're the best at a lot of things. And we're the best at being anxious. We make up things to be anxious about. More about that to come. I'll give you some stats about us as Americans and worry. But we worry a lot in our head, in our heart, in our stomach. Like these are the areas that usually are affected when people get anxious. Our head starts spinning, our heart starts racing, or we feel it in our gut. People talk about butterflies or worrying sick. These are all symptoms of anxiety. And all of us in here deal 
with anxiety. I think about our head, like our head starts spinning. I remember a couple weeks ago, right before a meeting, uh, someone who's above me at New Life was like, hey, Joe, after this meeting, you're going to a meeting? After this meeting, I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, oh, no. What did I do? Did I not respond to that email? Oh, did I miss a deadline? I'm just thinking. And so I go into this meeting where everybody's chit-chatting and we're supposed to go around and give updates and, and talk about ideas. And I'm just sitting there. Oh, no. What did I do? Maybe, maybe something I did. Maybe something I didn't do. What did I do? What did I do? And I'm just thinking. And so it's like I'm, I was noticeably a bumbling idiot during that meeting. Why? Because my head was spinning. After the meeting, I go to the person. It's like, so you wanted to talk? He's like, yeah. So uh, New Life Manager, you guys get to do a Christmas Eve service this year. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. And he's like, so uh, that's the first time, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. So, so what do you want to talk about? He's like, that's it. Like, you get the Christmas Eve service. That's cool, right? What time is it at? Four. Oh, okay. And I was like, I just wasted my life, like a whole meeting. Like, people were like, are you okay? No, I wasn't. I was stressed out because I thought I was in trouble. Anxiety steals from us life, our energy, our mind. It steals from us. Think about uh, our heart racing. Like, some of you, like, just, like, whenever you're anxious, your heart, you just starts racing. Like, this is the fight or flight thing. that we have as humans to like either run or to fight like if you live in Manitou long enough you probably have a story with a bear anybody have a story with a bear look at all the hands look at all these bears so um if you see a bear, my wife uh, a couple years ago was holding Max going out to the minivan from like here to the minivan and my my wife opens up the door takes a step out and guess what's right there a mama bear with her cubs and here's my wife mama bear with her little cub and her heart just starts racing she screams at the bear no get out of here and the bear drops his head and gets out of there with the little cub but later that day still to this day like the thought of bears heart racing we also carry carry anxiety and stress in our stomachs like for me, especially, this is where I carry, especially like a long, ongoing stress. I think about the time leading up to the planting of this church, thinking like, uh, d- d- is this going to happen? Is a church in Manitou, it's, is it all just an idea or will this come about? And the stress that I carried around for me and my stomach, I think just my family knows about this, but I have something called ulcerative colitis, which is just like the, the it's not the stomach, but the intestines attacking itself. Like I was so stressed that my body, my health was at risk and now I think I look back and think what was I here's the church right here like we're all here like what was I so worried about nothing and stress and anxiety is this thing that is like a robber a thief that steals from us and Paul says don't do it don't be anxious this is a huge problem in our day and age so the question remains what are you worried about Let me list some things, and some of you are going to feel it in your head, in your heart, or in your stomach as I list some of these things, and then we'll talk. We'll go on the problem, and then we'll talk about the prescription and then the prayer. But think about some of these things. Some of you are going to get stressed out just me mentioning this. Are you okay with that? (laughs) You're like, no, why would you do that to me? Well, it's the problem. I'm going to talk about the problem, and then we'll get to the prescription and then the prayer. 
Are any of you worried about debt or the economy or paying your mortgage or the stock market or thinking about Christmas? Some of you are excited. Some of you are stressed. It's the most stressful time. (laughs) It is. There's something called uh, SAD, S-A-D, Seasonal Affective Disorder. It has to do with the the days being shorter. has to do with the stress, certainly in our culture of Christmas and all these expectations. Some of you are worried about what people think about you. Some of you are worried about being late. Some of you are worried about your kids. What are they doing right now? Some of you are worried about phobias. Like some of you, anybody afraid of heights? Like even now you're like, oh, careful, careful up there, Joe. Easy. Don't want to fall. Anybody scared of spiders or snakes? I find out that people don't like to say that they're afraid because then you get teased and it's not funny at all. Some of these phobias, some of you get stressed out at work, like just thinking about Monday, tomorrow morning. You're like, ah, like you you feel it right now. Like I got to have this conversation with a boss or a coworker or just getting texts or emails or the phone rings, and you just get anxious immediately thinking about what you have to do. Some of you are worried about uh, natural disasters, earthquakes, the floods in Manitou. These are very real things, or traveling, or a relationship, or panic, or health, or if your health insurance is going to cover this or that, or PTSD, or maybe an argument you have had or need to have. It seems like in this passage we just read, if you were listening carefully, there were two ladies' names that were hard to pronounce. And Mr. Perry did so excellently. Ayudia and Syndiki, I think is how you pronounce it. And it says that these two ladies, it says this, Paul says, be of the same mind in the Lord. And you're like, wait, what? Like these two ladies be in the same mind in the Lord? And then it says, help these women. It's a very interesting passage, very short, like we really don't know any backstory at all, but why would two people in a church be called out to be in the same mind? Well, probably because there was an argument. I like to think in my head of like some silly reason, like maybe one of the ladies, Syndiki, brought deviled eggs to church to a potluck, and the other lady is like, don't you dare bring something with the name of the devil in it. I don't want my kids eating your devil food, and it like blew up from there, and then maybe we could all laugh about it now, but... Chances are it was probably something quite serious, maybe an accident that happened, maybe an affair, maybe something like a serious, like the, uh, just a butting of heads where there was picking of sides in this church. And Paul says, forget about that. Look beyond each other. Look at Christ. Be of the same mind. And then he goes on to talk about anxiety. Don't be anxious. So we all in here, every one of us, have a reason to listen to this message. All of us in here, this is not a message where you could sit on the back row and be like, yeah, teach them, pastor, preach it, preacher. These guys need to hear this. They need to hear this. I'm glad they're in here. Like, no, 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 no. This is for all of us. This is for me. We all have times of anxiety. This is a huge problem. Let me say it like this. Here's some stats for you about the U.S. because we're the best at everything. We're the best at anxiety, which is actually probably the worst, but we're still the best. Um, 40 million Americans. uh, This is somewhere. I've heard stats of up to 18% of people have some sort of disorder when it comes to anxiety, whether that is panic, PTSD, some sort of phobias, or some sort of chronic anxiety. That percentage is insane to me that that there's this much. And it's like, well, yeah, all of us, we, we all struggle with this. This is something that is ongoing, some people more, some people less. In 2015, there was a study by Boston University that said that anxiety is number one. It beats out all other mental health issues, depression, uh, eating disorder, any of them, all of them. The number one is things related to anxiety. And we 
are the best at this. Like Americans, we're the worst, honestly. We're, we, we stress out about things that we shouldn't. We make up things to be worried about. Perceived threats become greater than actual threats. And friends, this does not have to be. We have uh, Jesus Christ who will cover us and our mind. And we can, with his help, not be anxious. We can rejoice even in horrible situations. And I want to tell you something. Some of you um, know about counseling. Some of you know about uh, there's, there's medication. There's uh, counselors and uh, so, so just analysts who will help you with stress. And these are all parts of the solution. If you leave here saying, oh, Joe's saying none of those things work. No, I'm saying they could be a part of the solution because this is a huge huge problem. Anxiety is a huge problem. The the country of the stars and stripes is becoming the country of stress and strife. (laughs) See what I did there? Think about this. In this study that I read and was looking at, compared other countries, uh, uh, their stress levels, average stress levels, and it's just this uh, study and this uh, assessment, this test that was done. It ranked Americans as number one, because we're number one at everything, uh, that we're the most stressed out. And this compared with other countries, like in the third world, where literally there's not enough food to go around, these people are less stressed than we are. There's countries that are potentially on the verge of a civil war. These people in these countries are less stressed than we are. There's people without helmets and airbags. These people are less stressed than we are. There's people without air defense. These people in these countries, for the most part, on average, are less stressed than us. We make up things to be stressed about. We, we take a perceived threat and we worry about it. Think about like the, the, the filtering system of our water, like the tap water out of the city, by the way, is probably just fine, but we want to filter it, double filter, triple osmosis filter it. Why? Because you could die if you drink the city water. No, that's a perceived threat. You're not going to die. You're just fine. Or if you look at the the label on the back of a package in your refrigerator and says uh, best sold by tomorrow, you're like, ooh, that's tomorrow. That's only, gosh, how many hours away is that until it's tomorrow? This food is probably bad. If I eat it, I'll die. It's like, no, that's a perceived threat. You're worried for no real reason. There's real things to worry about, like not wearing your seatbelt. That's a very, that's, that's silly. Like, do, wear your seatbelt. That's a real threat. Or texting while you're driving. That's a real threat. Or smoking or vaping. Those are real threats. Like, those things lead to, like, true threats. We worry about things we do not have to. This anxiety thing, point number one, is a huge problem. Let's get to the prescription. Everyone take a big breath. Here's the prescription. Are you ready? Rejoice. Don't be anxious. It's really that simple. Paul says it like this. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't do it. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So what's the prescription? Don't do it. Don't be anxious. And not just like, oh, don't do that and concentrate on not doing it. But here, do this instead. What are we supposed to do? 
Rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice. Again, he says it. Rejoice. In fact, the whole theme of this whole book of Philippians, if you've been with us through any part of this series, the whole sermon series, this overarching point is to be full of joy. Like rejoice. Even in the midst of horrible circumstances. Paul is not writing from Disneyland. Do you know where he's at? He's in prison. He's in jail. His situation is not good at all. He is under threat of death. At any point, they could haul him off, have a mock trial, and kill him, which is probably how he ends up dying at the end of his life. We don't know for sure. But Paul is in a dire situation saying, rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because anxiety is a thief that steals your joy, your thoughts, your confidence, your time, your life. It just rips your life apart. Think about how much anxiety steals from you. There's a preacher story of a lady that is just horribly afraid of a burglar, like at night. Her, she goes to bed next to her husband every night. She hears some little noise. She wakes up the husband. It's like, that's a burglar, I'm sure. And she's not really sure when it began, but it has been an ongoing increased fear for her for about 10 years now. Every night she tries to go to sleep. She's like, did I lock the front door? I don't know if I locked the front door. She goes and checks. Yep, it's checked. It's, it's to the right. Okay, good. She goes back. She almost gets in the bed and she's like, wait, is right lock or is right unlock? I need to go back down and check. She's playing. She goes back down, checks. Is anybody like this? <laughs> Nobody's. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand. It's a real thing. It might be a burglar or it might be something else in your life. But we all struggle with this. Like there's fears that are irrational that just plague us. And so she goes to sleep. One night, she's laying in her bed and then crash. Bang. Guess who it is? The burglar, he's finally come. So she wakes up her husband, get up, burglar, it's got, it's, I heard it. And he wakes up, goes down there with a baseball bat, and sure enough, there's a kid, like a punk little teenage kid, skinny, scrawny kid, standing in front of the TV, holding it, just scared to death. He's like, ah, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to steal you, I saw your TV from the window, I was going to steal it, I was going to, ah, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And the husband's holding the bat saying, all right, I'm not going to hurt you. Uh, you could even have the TV. I want you to come upstairs and meet my wife because she's been waiting 10 years to meet you. (laughs) Uh, A burglar could steal from us, and they could steal a lot. They could steal once, but anxiety is a thief that can steal for decades. that can mess up your life. Here's another joke for you. A man walks into the psychiatrist for anxiety. He says, doctor, I have nightmares. Sometimes I'm a TP. Then sometimes in the same nightmare, I'm a tent. I'm sometimes a TP. Then I'm a tent. And the psychologist looks at him and says, I see your problem. I believe you're two tents. <laughs> That's a joke. Don't be anxious about anything. Verse number six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't present your demands. Don't present your commands. But present your requests. Think about this. There's thanksgiving here. There's prayer and petition. Why shouldn't we be anxious? Because we know the Lord and we know he loves us. The thanksgiving that we can have in our lives is the exact opposite of a life of anxiety. 
Thanksgiving, we're going into this season now where we think about what we're thankful for. Maybe around your dinner table at Thanksgiving, maybe you go around and say what you're thankful for. And this is a time where it's like, yeah, we, we have things to be thankful for. In, in a silly way, even like someone that's afraid of a burglar getting all their stuff will be thankful that you have stuff. Even someone that uh, really hates their job and, and hates working for their boss and their coworkers doesn't like it, well, at least you have a job. Like, you should be thankful. There's always something to be thankful for. I wrote it down like this. Thanksgiving and rejoicing is a choice that will give you true life. The problem of anxiety is ridiculous. It's overarching in our lives. The prescription is to rejoice, to be thankful. And finally, the prayer, the lifestyle that looks like this. The third point is prayer, meditate on such things. What things? Well, let me read them for you. Paul says it very beautifully. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And as you do, as you pray and meditate and and take into your life these things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, this will give you life. This will be like an antibiotic going into your body and getting rid of the horrible disease of anxiety. We've talked about the problem, the prescription to rejoice the meditation and prayer that we can have. It's like we're replacing anxiety with something else. And instead of the thoughts that spiral us down into anxiety and stress and more strife, Jesus can lift us up if we spiral into our thought life of being thankful, meditating and thinking about what is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, and right I think about this image that we're going to um, participate in in just a few moments. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to go outside and, and see a few people get baptized. And this is the work of the Lord. I think about how we can't clean ourselves up, spiritually speaking. We can't just try better and, and hope. We can't just, oh, let's just knock off anxiety. No, no, no. We, we can't do that on our own. This is a miracle. This is a gift of God. This is concentrating on his things and his life that will say no to the darkness. So in baptism, it's this mystery of going down into death, down into the waters to be cleansed and coming back up alive and arisen, resurrected to new life. I think about the, the John the Baptist baptizing people in the Jordan River. And I had the tremendous, like, uh, lifelong, um, just a, a, a wonderful trip two months ago to Israel. I got to be a part and I, I, I got to go to the Jordan River where John the Baptist was baptizing people, preaching a baptism of repentance. And our tour guide was just telling us how the Jordan River is one of the only rivers in the world that doesn't go to the sea. And he made this point that has stuck with me, that as we are washed in the waters of baptism, spiritually speaking, the the Jordan River represents this, that the water, the dirty water that comes off of us does not go into some other uh, ocean to pollute the ocean, but instead it goes into the Dead Sea And from there, the water just evaporates, just 
disappears. There's this image that just made this experience watching people get baptized in the Jordan so alive that as they are washed and cleansed, their sin is removed from them forever. And I pray that in the same way, anxiety is removed from us, that we can be strong ambassadors of Jesus, not stressed and full of strife, but instead full of life and full of the Holy Spirit, ready to enter into the world and tell the world about the good news. So would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then Brett's going to lead us to the table. The band, you can come forward to lead us into worship. As you're standing with me, would you pray? Lord, we come to you this morning and and we ask for your help. We, We can't do this without you. We are dependent upon you. We can't just try harder to not be anxious. Lord, we need you in our life to lift us up. We listen to these words that that a a brother in Christ wrote to the church in Philippi years ago, and we pray, Lord, that these words would be true of us, that brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Lord, we pray that we would think upon these things and our hearts and our minds would be renewed in your kingdom for your glory on this earth.